Okay, good morning. It's good to be together again to study the Word and share together around the Word. I want to finish that study in Philippians uh, chapters 3 and 4 we'll look at this morning. Let's do a quick review from the last message that I had. Does anyone remember what uh, the title of that sermon was? Jog your memory. It had to do with the year 2024. What are you aiming at in 2024? That's right. Um, that was kind of the gist of what we talked about last time. Um, today I want to kind of continue that theme a little bit, but we're going to use some different words. Um, we're going to call this spiritual goals from the book of Philippians, or specifically chapters 3 and 4 um, for our lives or for 2024, however you want to look at that. Um, but a quick review, we talked about a quote from a man named Zig Ziglar last time. Can anyone remember what that quote was? If you aim at what? If you aim at nothing, you will hit it every time. That was his quote. So we talked a little bit about that. We talked about aiming. Um, we talked specifically about aiming and shooting a recurve or a longbow and how that's a good metaphor for our daily and spiritual lives. We talked a little bit about how there's no sights on a, on a recurve or a longbow. Um, and so you have to align yourself, your, your body, your mind, your hands um, all together, and you, you focus on that place where you want to hit. Uh, it takes a lot of practice to be consistent. And as you practice with a recurve or a longbow, hitting the bullseye just becomes habit and second nature. You begin to do it without hardly thinking. As we grow in relationship with Christ, Christian habits and way of life should begin to flow out of our lives in a natural way. Three major themes that we will see in this letter are humility, unity, and joy. And this is still a little bit of review from last time. It's believed that Paul wrote Philippians from prison. It's one of Paul's most personal letters to a church. It's also believed that Paul received more financial support from the church at Philippi than any other. Philippians is often known as the epistle of joy because of Paul's attitude in prison. And uh, we talked just briefly about the fact, the interesting fact that Paul and Silas were in prison in Philippi when an earthquake hit, releasing them from their chains. And that story is from Acts 16. So let's remember the context from where Paul is writing this letter. Maybe that will help us as we go again this morning. Let's also think as we read as if Paul is writing this letter to Covenant Fellowship because he has much wisdom and encouragement for us today as well. We may not know the people and places named, but the core message is still good for us today. And I also find it interesting as we go through these chapters how many times that he ties themes and words together from one chapter 
to the next. So we'll look at that again today. You will see words repeated and we will touch on them as well. Today we want to continue that theme of aim somewhat, but talk more about spiritual goals for 2024 from the last two chapters of Philippians. Couple questions here to get us started. Do you and I even have goals in life or do we just kind of go from day to day? What about spiritual goals? I know for myself, I can waste lots of time and energy when I do not have a clear goal in front of me. When I make a list of things I need to get done in a day, uh, I'm much more productive and efficient. Setting up some spiritual goals can help us grow and mature in a better way by helping us have clarity on our vision and purpose. Again, Paul was writing this letter to a church group, so let's think about it in that way. But we can also take individual thoughts and goals from these chapters in Philippians as well. Several years ago... um, I learned more about goals and goal setting when I was uh, when I worked at, at the camp there in South Carolina. Um, every four months, the boys would have an evaluation meeting to measure their attitude and their emotional growth and just how they were doing as a person, how they were growing and learning there. Um, and they would set five new goals to be working on while they were at camp. And so every four months, they would do this. Um, Four were goals to help them grow as a person and heal, and one was often a fun goal, something fun to do with their group at camp. Then they would post them on their footlocker in their tents where they could see them every day. They would would type them out and post them on their their, uh, footlocker where they kept their clothes and, and things they needed. And so every day they would they would try to Look at that. Since I was at camp, I have not done real well with setting and working out goals in my life. It's something I want to grow in myself. Clear goals spelled out where we can see them every day can help us grow in so many ways. Let's begin by reading chapter 3. We'll look at that now. And then uh, at the end of the message today, we'll go... We'll review a little bit, go over some goals that we can learn from these chapters. But we'll start, I'll read chapter 3 from Philippians, and um, then we'll go back over and and look at some of the the highlights of of this chapter. So let's read. Philippians chapter 3. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord to write the same things to you, To you, to me indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision. For we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit, and rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin and Hebrew of the Hebrews as touching the law, a Pharisee concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness, which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. 
Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and to count them as dung, that I may win Christ, and be found in him not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him, and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore as many as be perfect be thus minded, and if in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk, so as ye have us for an an example. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you, even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. So let's look at this chapter, and then we'll go on to chapter 4 later. Verse 1, rejoice in the Lord. Here is a recurring theme. If you look at uh, verse 26 of chapter 1, that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ. Uh, One of those recurring themes there. What does it mean to rejoice in the Lord? I'm not going to explain it all here or get into it. I don't have all the answers to all that. Uh, Maybe we can have more discussion on some of these questions later in our discussion time. But what do you and I rejoice in? Our bank account? That new toy we just purchased, whatever that may be? Jesus said in Matthew 6.33, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. People around you and I catch on to the things we are rejoicing in. Are we showing them the right things to be rejoicing in? Verse 2, beware of dogs, beware of evil workers. Galatians 5.15 says, But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. Sounds kind of like what dogs do, right? Psalm 119.115 says, Depart from me, ye evildoers, for I will keep the commandments of my God. 
So we should be be aware of dogs and evildoers around us, but let's not dwell on on them. Let's not be like them. Be aware that they are around us, but keep our focus on the goal of serving and knowing Christ and not on them. Verses 3 through 7, in these verses, Paul basically says, in my own words here, if we could brag about our own fleshly accomplishments, I, Paul, would or could be at the top. I have all these accolades and lineage. My family line is the best. My schooling is the best. I have lived by the law. But Paul goes on to say as to say as much as to say as much as we like to put stock in all those things, they really do not matter to God. Verses seven through nine. Uh, I want to reread those verses there. There's some powerful things in, in here. Let's read those again. What things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung that I may win Christ and be found in him not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. If you're looking for life verses to live by, here are several good ones. If you're looking for something to post on your refrigerator to look at and read every day, I'd suggest verses 8 and 9. Again, there are themes here that reference back to verses 9 and 10 of chapter 1. Uh, We could look at those 9 and 10 of chapter 1. And this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that ye may approve things that are excellent, and that ye may be sincere without offense to the day of Christ. Some of the same wording there. A word that stood out in verse 8 is, he says, my Lord. Is Jesus your Lord? Are we allowing Him to work in our lives on that level? Verse 9, a powerful verse that we need to get right. We need to understand We cannot do enough to win God's favor. We can't on our own strength live righteously. Not having my own righteousness, he says, but righteousness which is of God by faith. We sin less and less, not because we think about not sinning or make sure we follow all the rules, but we sin less and less as we are drawn into a deeper relationship with God and our desires change. I focus on loving God and living out His Word in my life and not on the law. Let's go to verses 10 uh, through 13. That I may know Him is that the desire of your heart and mine. 
that we can know and walk through life with the God of the universe is truly an amazing thing. Paul also says in this verse that I may know the power of his resurrection and that I may know the fellowship of his sufferings. They are all connected. We can't have one without the other. If you're looking for a spiritual goal to be praying for, there are several here in these verses. Now I want to read a little devotional from this uh, My Utmost for His Highest from Oswald Chambers. I've been reading, started reading this again uh, this year, every day. He has a little write-up on uh, parts of verses or one verse. And so he has a write-up here on Philippians 3.12. And he can say it better than I can, so I'm going to read what he has to say here. Christian perfection, not as though I have had already attained, either were already perfect. Philippians 3.12. It is a snare to imagine that God wants to make us perfect specimens of what He can do. God's purpose is to make us one with Himself. The emphasis of holiness movements is apt to be that God is producing specimens of holiness to put in His museum. If you go off on this idea of personal holiness, the dead set of your life will not be for God, but for what you call the manifestation of God in your life. It can never be God's will that I should be sick. If it was God's will to bruise his own son, why should he not bruise you? The thing that tells for God is not your relevant consistency to an idea of what a saint should be, but your real vital relation to Jesus Christ and your abandonment to him, whether you are well or ill. Christian perfection is is not and never can be human perfection. Christian perfection is the perfection of a relationship to God, which shows itself amid the irrelevancies of human life. When you obey the call of Jesus Christ, the first thing that strikes you is the irrelevancy of the things you have to do, and the next thing that strikes you is the fact that other people seem to be living perfectly consistent lives. Such lives are apt to leave you with the idea that God is unnecessary. By human effort and devotion, we can reach the standard God wants. In a fallen world, this can never be done. I am called to live in perfect relation to God so that my life produces a longing after God in other lives, not an admiration for myself. Thoughts about myself hinder my usefulness to God. God is not after perfecting me to be a specimen in his showroom, he is getting me to the place where he can use me. Let him do what he likes. I thought that was uh, some good words in connection with these verses here, 12 and 13. Verses 13 and 14 here, can we learn to leave the past in the past and not be held back by the past in the present? It's important as individuals and as a church to press forward and look ahead and not spend lots of time looking back. Sometimes I hear people say things 
like this happened back there or I didn't like that thing that happened over here two years ago. And I've done the same thing myself. But when those thoughts come to mind, I have to ask myself, am I letting the past define my present? It's hard to reach for those things which are before when we are looking back. Let's be people that keep a forward-looking a forward look, pressing on and asking how we can best serve the Lord today and into the future. I'm not saying that our past experiences are not important. They are, but let's not get too focused on them. Let's look at verses 17 to 19. Paul gives warnings here against living for the flesh. Living for the flesh really is a dead-end road. Let's read uh, 18 and 19 again here. For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. 19 again is somewhat of a parallel to chapter 2 verse 15. He talks about uh, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. And here he's some of the same things. Whose end is destruction. Uh, they glory in their shame. They mind earthly things. Here's a sad picture of much of our world and society today. I just want to encourage you this morning to keep doing the right thing. Even when it's hard. You can do it. Verse 20. After the last few verses, verse 20 is refreshing to see. Again, Paul uses the same wording from chapter 1, verse 27. Uh, That verse says, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. And this verse says, For our conversation is in heaven. When I take inventory of my conversations the last while, I'm challenged that too often I'm so earthly focused. We do live in this, in this world, so, so where is the balance? We have a returning Savior coming. Are we keeping things in life in perspective of that? Verse 21. Have you ever felt the limitations of your body in time and space? I sure have. If I could just do this or do that or go there or help this person or if I just had more money to help someone or yesterday I would have loved to help out with Myron's cleanup but someone had to preach this morning. Um, Limitations of our vile body. But one day if we are faithful to him God will change our, our vile body. Let's move on to chapter 4, and let me read chapter 4, and then we'll talk a little bit about it. Philippians chapter 4, Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved, and long for my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech Herodias and beseech Sintichi that they be of the same mind in the Lord, and I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel with 
Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Notwithstanding, ye have well done, that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again unto my necessity. Not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Salute every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren which are with me greet you. All the saints salute you, chiefly they that are of Caesar's household. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. All right, let's go back and look through this a little bit. Um, I'm going to jump straight to verse 4. First couple verses there uh, don't really apply to us too much. Um, but verse 4 is where he jumps into to more of uh, the meat of this chapter again. The recurring theme again, rejoice in the Lord. He repeats it again. Always, he says. Chapter 3, verse 1 is where we just talked about that. Verse 5, moderation here in verse 5 is said to really mean gentleness. So we could read it like this. Let your gentleness be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. The people know you and I as gentle people. Men, this verse is probably, probably hits us harder. It's not really in our manly DNA to be gentle. But with God's help, we can be. Verse 6, be anxious for nothing. So hard to do. I find it interesting how Paul makes statements 
in the New Testament, it seems in his writings, and it's just like he says, just just do this. This is how you should do it. But in and of ourselves, if you step back and you really look at it, it's like, that's really hard to do. He gives the answer to why we as believers can have less anxiety than most people because we can take our burdens to the Lord and leave them there with, with Him. He may not take them all away or make life easy right away in the middle of tough things, but He gives peace which passes understanding. God's peace, Paul says, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Hearts and minds that can sleep at night. Hearts and minds that have a firm foundation in life. One of the biggest blessings in life is right there if we could stop and think about it. How many people are chasing that peace or that next thing in life because their hearts and minds can't sleep at night or because their hearts and minds do not have a firm foundation. They have not surrendered their hearts and minds to Christ. We all have things in every stage and season of life we could be anxious about. The teenager thinking about the future, the single person seeking marriage, the couples wondering how their marriage is going to survive, the middle-aged person going through that midlife crisis, the older person struggling with regrets and old age. We all have seasons to walk through. What can we as believers do? These verses give us some answers. Take them, take our burdens to the throne of grace to find help and encouragement in time of need. Some of you here today are going through long seasons of difficult anxiety-producing circumstances, seasons when you don't see the light at the end of the tunnel yet. You're not sure how it's all going to turn out. Take it to the Lord in prayer. He may not fix everything in a moment, but I know He will walk through these seasons with you. Verse 8 is not hard to understand, really. If we think about things that are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, of good report, then we probably also don't have much room for that anxiety to get in. By the way, families, if you're looking for some good verses for your young children to work on memorizing, this little section from verse 4 through 9 is a good one. Young children are like sponges. They can remember so much. What are we filling their minds with? We have done some Bible memorization with with ours, but we need to do more. Um, But they can repeat something a couple times, and two days later you talk about it, and it's there. They they got it. Um, We should maybe work on this one next. It's good for our children to know Bible stories, but what about just learning and memorizing Scripture like this, like these powerful verses here, that they can take with them for life and they can 
learn and grow from. That's just a little rabbit trail. I won't charge you for that. Let's go on. Verses 11 and 12. Contentment. That dreaded word that really brings so much freedom. Are you and I contented people? I've learned to be content in at least one area of my life. And that's with my truck. I have a 05 F-150 cab and a half truck. Um, I know it's a Ford. That doesn't mean that I'm an all-out Ford guy. Sorry for you Ford lovers. This is not a Ford promotion here. It's just what I have right now, and it's in good shape, and it runs well. It's paid for and has good space for what I need. It's a good run-around hunting truck. I'm okay with getting it dirty when I need to. I plan to drive it for a long time. It does what I need. It's all I need in a truck at this point in my life. And it's freeing to look at all the other nice trucks out there on the road and say, well, that's a nice truck, but I don't need it. I have what I need. I'm good. It helps that I don't like vehicle shopping, so maybe that's part of my contentment there. I'm not sure. I have many areas to grow in with contentment, but with my truck, I think I'm learning. Contentment. I could do this or that or have this or that, but you know what? I really don't need it, and it's okay. There is freedom in contentment. Let's go on to verse 13. I believe what Paul is trying to get across here in this verse, I'm going to put it in my own words. Um, I think he's saying this, I can do all the will of God through Christ which strengtheneth me. Sometimes I've seen football players put this reference on their shoes or on their face paint under their eyes, and I don't think Paul was thinking of empowering football players when he wrote this. We'll leave it at that. Verses 14 to 16, they cared well for Paul and helped him in, in his time of need. Verse 17, Paul says, I'm glad to see you care and serve me as a church because that shows you're producing fruit. Paul says, I'm more concerned about your organic caring and producing fruit than about getting some kind of gift. So they were helping him financially, giving him gifts or, you know, whatever, some things, whatever he needed, I guess, um, helping him in that way. And he, and he said, you know, the gift is nice, but that's, I'm glad to see that you are organically doing things to help other people. Um, you're producing fruit. Are you and I producing fruits of righteousness? Parents, are you looking for and trying to grow good fruit in your children? As a church, how are we doing with producing fruit? As parents and as churches, I wonder sometimes if we put too much emphasis on behavior and not enough on fruit bearing. Just something that we can think about. 
Verse 19, Paul ends this encouraging letter to the church at Philippi with this promise, and we can claim it today as well. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. If and when you go through that tough season of life, God will, will supply your needs. He may not remove the hard thing, but he will supply your need according to his riches and glory. God has innumerable riches and ways to supply our needs if we can just trust in him. And I should, I'll just tell you a little story that I think that we experienced that I think kind of goes along with supplying our needs. When we were moving back from from South Carolina, looking for a house, and we wanted to do foster care. Our previous house was not suitable for that here. And so we, we, we moved down there, were there for a year, and came, came back, ended up coming back. Um, but the house that we, there was one house that we found that was in our, that was workable for us, and um, and it was very suitable for what we wanted to do with foster care. And we offered them, what was it, 30? It was, it was around 30 or 35,000 less than their asking price at that time. And for some crazy reason, they took it. And so we are where we are and we don't know what the future holds of, you know, but for now we know, we feel that the Lord took, brought us there and supplied our need at that time. Well, we need to wrap this up. Let's just quickly name a few spiritual goals we could take from Philippians chapter three and four and think about and work on in the coming days few highlights that I want to just take out of these verses you can take with you. Nine quick things here that jumped out at me. Number one, learn to rejoice in the Lord. Number two, beware of dogs and evil workers. Number three, learn to know Christ. Number four, have conversation rooted in heaven. Number five, learn to be anxious for nothing. Number six, pray about everything. Number seven, seek peace and be content. Number eight, learn to bear fruits of righteousness. And number nine, learn to trust God to supply our needs. God bless you.